DJ Tens of thousands on my right, thousands by my side War between good and evil, watching our fists collide Battle for our freedom now, to the streets we ride Flags waving all around, pages full of pride This is where we make a stand, no more give or take They want to use violence on Americans We want freedom We want peace We want freedom We want peace We want freedom We want peace Enough with tyranny We come to take our country back For all citizens White, red, brown, or black Return it to a form of glory Fix the bloody crack On the crown Fetch it down It's going down She warned me that this day would come I'm like my father, go to combat with the blazing guns I survived that, then I came back, took the place I'm from To face off all these haters and the battle in the place I love You can't break me down, I'm indivisible You still see my raps if I was invisible That pepper spray tastes like chicken These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered, yet we have this consolation with us, that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Thomas Paine. This quote is something that I revere highly. The summer soldier, the sunshine patriot, are the men and women that unfortunately only show their patriotism on July 4th when we celebrate Independence Day by wearing red, white, and blue and saying they love their nation but are not willing to do anything of sacrifice, not willing to do anything of hard choice to protect it, to preserve her. They're the ones that are constantly telling folks that if such and such happens, we're moving to Canada or some other foreign land which, quite frankly, gets under my skin because they do not understand that this country is the last bastion of freedom in the world. That if America falls, the world falls to tyranny. There's nowhere else to run. There's no going back. There's nothing but hardship, death, dismay, for the rest of humanity, for the rest of mankind, for the rest of time. No other nation in the world has the freedoms that we do. No other nation in the world is as independent and as empowering to its people as the United States of America. This grand experiment, this constitutional republic, this country is based 
on standing up for rights, freedoms, liberties. This country is founded upon the sacrifices of the men and women that have gone before us to ensure that we have the ability to say that we dissent, to complain about our government. But it took action. Strong patriots give us good times. Good times give birth to weak patriots. Weak patriots give us hard times. And hard times give birth to strong patriots. Right now, we are in the midst of hard times. We are being oppressed, lied to, deceived, attacked at every angle. The economy, food, the family structure, religion. Being a patriot is one hiccup away from being outlawed. They're already throwing men and women to prison and destroying their lives for fulfilling what they perceived as their patriotic duty. We, the January 6th inmates, defendants, their families, this J6 family, are being attacked. They are saying that we wanted to destroy our nation, to overthrow the government, when in all actuality, we were there to preserve, protect, and defend our nation. Election integrity is a founding principle. It keeps America safe. It keeps the voice, the vote, the power of the people preserved. Because if we don't have an election that we can trust as safe and effective, then we have no voice. We have nothing but privileges given to us by the ruling class. We are not a futile government. We are a constitutional republic, which means that the Constitution gives the people the power and we elect representatives to represent our desires, our needs, our path of governance. Elected officials are not the ruling class. An elected official is not a king or a queen. This is not a monarchy. This is not an oligarchy. We are not ruled by corporate interests. It's us, we, the people, that have the power. Too many forget that because good times gave birth to weak patriots, men and women that are not willing to sacrifice to go against hardships. And we saw this especially within the last three years as they try to mandate sticking experiments into our arms, mandate putting masks over your face, mandate how long, when, and which way we can visit those that we love. They were trying to mandate how many family members we could have over for the holidays. They scared everybody. They rule by fear and deception. Follow the science, even though every scientific principle contradicted the mandates. And that's just one example. And they use the media to propagate it. That's why it's called propaganda. The media is working hand in hand with the ruling class to tell you how to think. The media is working hand in hand to feed you only the information that they want you to have. They only give you that little bit. They decide what's important. They decide what you are allowed to know. And it is becoming the destruction of our nation. 
In this show, we try to promote patriotism, love of nation. Want to get it back out front. We're supposed to love the nation in which we live. We're supposed to care about our neighborhoods. We're supposed to want to achieve greatness for our future generations. I mean, that's what we're always supposed to do: is to strive to be better. Our nation has a peppered past. We've made mistakes, but we've grown from those, improved. But the propaganda media spews how awful this country is. That we're oppressive and inherently racist. That we're hateful and bigoted. Now I must admit, much of our nation is short-sighted, uneducated. Heck, myself included. I'm not the brightest crayon in the box, but I am a patriotic color. Patriotism—it has no color for skin. The only color of patriotism is the red, white, and blue that flows through our veins. What is it about our nation that you love? Send us a voice message. If you look down in the description box, you can click on that. Send us a comment. Send us a message. Feel free to use your freedom of speech with me. Heck, send me a message and tell me you hate me. I don't care. Exercising freedom of speech is a beautiful thing. Even if I don't agree with what someone says, this cancel culture of dictatorial censorship is disgusting. You can also sing the national anthem in that voice message. That way, the defendants, the families, your nation will hear it and know that you love them, that you stand by them. Today, you are going to hear a beautiful rendition of the Star Spangled Banner sent to us by a patriot. Followed up by an interview with a man that has spent his life serving, fighting, standing for your nation in the face of adversity, foreign adversaries. He has a very peculiar background in what he's done in the service that gives him a unique insight to what is going on. Don't want to spoil it, but I think that you're gonna. Definitely find this one compelling. So enjoy. Thanks for coming, and we hope to hear you sing for freedom. Scream it from the rooftops that you love this nation, damn it! Because America is beautiful. We can make it even better as we grow together in unity with one another, under the same red, white, and blue that our ancestors had given their lives for. Don't be a sunshine patriot or a summer soldier. Be willing to get out here and get dirty, get your hands in the mud, and show what true peace, love, and unity of following the constitutional process can achieve. Because your voice still has power, we can't give that up.
Well, hi everybody, I'd like to welcome Jeremy Brown, an American warrior, a hero, decorated veteran, former Green Beret that has suffered the persecution, prosecution, and discrimination of our Department of Injustice because of January 6th. Uh, how you doing there, Jeremy? You holding up pretty well? Uh, yes, uh, one more day, so uh, we're, just, we're doing the best we can. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty much all anybody can do nowadays, just one day at a time. So just to get down to brass tacks, um, give us a little bit of background on you and then how you ended up getting involved with the uh, January 6th debacle. Yeah, so uh, a little bit of personal background on me. I'm a, a 20-year retired Army Green Beret. I spent uh, my entire 20-year career in the Special Operations community, uh, starting out with the 1st Ranger Battalion in Savannah, Georgia, and in 17 years wearing the Green Beret as a Special Forces Weapons Sergeant, a Special Forces Communications Sergeant, and uh, as a Special Forces Master Sergeant, uh, where uh, I served as a Team Sergeant, and then I retired as the non-commissioned officer in charge of the Special Activities Branch before Special Operations Command Central here at McGill. Um, what the Special Activities Branch handles are, uh, you know, all the things that are special activities. <laughs> your covert, your clandestine, and your compartmentalized information operations, uh, which kind of gives me a unique perspective into what they attempted to do with me. So uh, that's a little bit of my background. I retired in 2012. I uh, started my own small business, uh, a limousine company, which uh, was in operation for five years. Uh, we closed that down due to family uh, issues in 2018. I uh, ran for U.S. Congress uh, in 2012. 19 to start, sorry, 2019, uh, 2020 election cycle, uh, and then I just recently ran for Florida State House of Representatives from jail <laughs> in this last election cycle where I was actually able to garner 34.5% of the vote in a heavy Democrat district, so um, but the, that's, that's my basic background, and then of course, uh, if you want to go into the details of why the uh, federal government put me here. Yeah, absolutely. I've been keeping up with your case, and uh, it's extremely compelling. Um, as far as what I understand, the FBI uh, had approached you to be an informant uh, against the Oath Keepers, which you had at the time recently joined, and uh, your refusal um, definitely raised the hair on the back of their neck and put a target on the back of yours. So uh, can you kind of give us a, a rundown of, of how things have played out? Yeah, so uh, as, yeah, as I already mentioned, you know, I have the background in, in unconventional warfare and clandestine operations, uh, not only at a tactical, operational, but also a strategic level. And so uh, after the election of 2020, uh, it became obvious to me that the, the election of 2020 was a clear, uh, we now have control, you know, operations. So if you follow anything within the, the unconventional warfare spectrum of activities, you know, there, there becomes a point where they blatantly uh, rub the citizens' face and the fact that they have control, and that, that's what I saw the election as, because obviously, I mean, <laughs> anybody that can do math is completely obvious, right? Uh, um, and so at that point, uh, I, I took it upon myself to reach out to groups uh, such as the Oath Keepers in, in an attempt to warn them as to what groups like that uh, should be expecting to see in the very near future. So that was uh, in mid-November. I, I 
I first joined the Oath Keepers on November 9th. Uh, I requested a meeting with their Florida leadership, uh, and I held uh, basically an impromptu uh, class on, you know, hey, this is what has happened in America over the last hundred years of history, and you're about to be targeted for destruction. And of course, you know, some people get took it seriously, some people didn't, and, that, and that's according to their own assessment uh, in, I'm sorry, there's a mountain, uh, um, sorry, they're calling me for a visit, but it's already been canceled because of the interview, so it's a big deal, but, uh, no, so I, I, I basically, said, you know, in FBI 302s, I know that half of them took me serious and half of them didn't, um, and so that's really where it started, because as we know now, through my discovery, uh, there was a confidential human source inside that meeting. <laughs> and so uh, mid-November is when that meeting happens, and then, of course, the, you know, early December, December 4th, is when two federal agents from the Department of Homeland Security, working on behalf of the FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force, show, it at, show up at my door. Uh, we, uh, we go back and forth uh, via email, uh, and then they schedule a meeting of which I advise them that I will be recording the meeting, uh, to which they agree to, uh, you know, to their own demise, you know, in the future anyway. <laughs> and, uh, and so we had about a 20 minute meeting under the guise that they were investigating, uh, you know, the social media posts. Now, I know that this isn't true because I now know the, the, Origin of that meeting and, and how it came about. It had nothing to do with social media posts. So it was all a deceptive ruse in order to establish a meeting. And of course, the entire meeting wasn't about investigating my background or anything like that. It was basically filling me out uh, to see whether or not I'd be willing to provide information on groups I was associated with, which at that time were only two CEO keepers by the Special Forces Association. So, of course, I refused. Um, but I, I, I was torn as to what to do with this recording. In fact, immediately I started kind of talking to people and say, hey, I got this recording. I warned the Oath Keepers I had been approached and then distanced myself from them. I warned the Special Forces Association and then distanced myself from them. Um, and then 10 days later is when President Trump announced the, the January 6th rally. So keep in mind, this is a, a, a point a lot of people don't seem to tie together, which is, this attempt to recruit me to infiltrate the Oath Keepers, you know, which they now claim, oh, well, we were infiltrating them because they were trying to overthrow the government. Well, yes, that hadn't even happened yet. The January 6th had not even been announced, and yet I have two federal agents asking me about something happening in January, which is uh, clearly distinguishable in the transcript as well as the recording if you listen to yourself. So um, I decided to attend. Uh, the January 6th rally because I felt like there was going to be some type of problem there. And I thought I would be useful. So I reached back out to the Oath Keepers and asked if they had any security details going on up there, which is something that they often do at these uh, Trump rallies and other political rallies. And of course they did. And so um, I accompanied them on January 6th. So the very guys that the government had set up as patsies to take the fall for their best direction are the guys that I was with. And so the FBI knows that I have very much a direct tie to all of these individuals. They know that I know that they attempted to recruit me. They know that I've gone public with this recruitment and this recording. And so 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that knows too much, which is why you hardly heard anything about me. Basically, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy that knows too much. Uh, so initially, they attempted to ignore me into Bolivian. That's when, uh, you know, I was nowhere to be found on any of the FBI's most wanted, even though they have, you know, tons of photographs. They know exactly who I am. They met with me. Uh, it wasn't until Darren Beatty's article in mid-June where uh, the story of the Fed's direction and the FBI's involvement in not only January 6th, but the uh, governor's kidnapping plot in Michigan, uh, where he kind of blew that story nationwide, that's when all of a sudden this investigation started into Jeremy Brown. Both keepers were brought in. They were offered, uh, you know, proppers, which if you're not familiar, you know, basically they're saying, hey, if you give us information, we won't prosecute you. Um, you know, I was discussed in plea deals and grand jury testimonies in every single one of the, the, the court documents after uh, they acknowledged my uh, my existence. Uh, I mentioned, hey, review, review. Um, so, uh, so and, and then you know, September 30th of 2021 is when they finally decided that they were going to come and arrest me on two misdemeanor counts of trespassing of which the warrant was obtained the day prior, uh, was reviewed for 27 seconds, and along with that uh, misdemeanor arrest warrant, which required 15 federal agents, um, they also came with a domestic terrorism search warrant, which allowed them to search my property, my RV, um, uh, my, my trailer, and of course, during that search, they miraculously found uh, two explosives uh, in the form of M67 military fragmentation grenades and a so-called uh, military classified CD-ROM, which of course they did not charge me with immediately. Uh, it took seven months for them to decide to finally charge me with that. Uh, and of course, there's, there's lots of different reasons why I believe they did that. But uh, I've been held in maximum security ever since September 30th. And so uh, here I sit, and uh, they've attempted to get me to make those grenade and classified material charges go away with, uh, you know, subtle hints of plea deals in order to get time served, of which I've refused in order to take them to trial. And then on December 12th of this uh, past year, 2022, uh, I was convicted on six of ten counts, uh, and now I'm awaiting my sentencing. The uh, four that you were found not guilty involved the CD, correct? That's correct, because, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to convict a guy on something when there's no photographs of the evidence from the actual search. So, um, and then, you know, none of the DNA evidence, none of the uh, explosive trace evidence has any nexus to me. In fact, there was DNA, two, two forms of male DNA on the grenades, but it wasn't mine. There were fibers on the grenades, but carpet fibers, but they weren't from my carpet. And there were dog hairs on the grenade, but not my dog hair. So they did a good job of hitting the areas of which they should have evidence from, but not a very good job of actually getting evidence that would tie it to me. But unfortunately, due to some prosecutor dirty tricks, uh, some out-of-context statements and some innuendo, uh, the jury was not able to get to beyond a reasonable doubt. And then also, of course, there was a, a, a concerted effort by the prosecutor, by the judge, and even my own defense attorney to not bring up any relation of the charges 
22, January 6th, to the recording. In fact, the Department of Justice filed a motion the day prior to the trial, 429 days into the case, they filed a motion to have the recording of them recruiting me excluded from evidence. And of course, the judge didn't rule on it because she said, well, let's see if it comes up. And then of course, magically, it didn't come up, even though I demanded that my defense be 100% based on the fact of the historical relationship between me and the FBI, the Joint Terrorism Task Force, uh, it just wasn't allowed to be brought up, which actually serves a secondary benefit to me because now the prosecution of me on all those charges has been locked in stone. They went, instead of the route of Mr. Brown is a co-conspirator in the the worst thing that's happened in America since the Civil War, since 9-11, now they went with a prosecution of Mr. Brown, just a rogue, disgruntled military guy who stole grenades and classified materials from the government. For what reason, we don't know. The problem is that there's transcripts of all the other cases, which are probably under seal, but that I have them. And so they totally used all this evidence in, in my case against all these other Oath Keepers. And so uh, that is a kind of hidden benefit to the fact that they completely lied in the trial uh, and they did not actually make the true case that they wanted to make, what they, did, they didn't want to make. Because the last thing they want me to do is testify about my knowledge of January 6th and the FBI's involvement uh, in January 6th. So, you know, there's still a lot to be done. There's still a lot of uh, information to come out. Uh, so, yeah, I was convicted on November 12th, but we have many appeals open. Uh, we have sentencing coming up, and I still have another trial on two misdemeanor counts in D.C. So there's still plenty of opportunity for the truth to uh, slowly and meticulously trickle out to the American people. So what, um, <clears throat> what specifically would you be able to tell us about the involvement of the, the feds or any sort of federal agent and the actions of January 6th? Well, I mean, what do I know 100%? Well, I know that they attempted to recruit me to infiltrate a group that had no criminal background, had no reason to be targeted by the federal law enforcement agencies. Uh, I know uh, there's evidence that the FBI has infiltrated other such groups, such as the Three Percenters, the Proud Boys, and the Oath Keepers, because we have the confidential human source documents that show that they have been infiltrated for some as, as at least a year prior to January 6th. Well, then the question would be, why is the FBI infiltrating groups of law-abiding American citizens, and now those same groups are miraculously all uh, tied to overthrows of governmental bodies, the Michigan uh, governor's mansion in, Mi in Michigan, and then January 6th. These are all clear indications of what we would refer to as a false flag operation, a like I commonly refer to as a modern-day burning of the rice tag. And this is exactly what you do in unconventional warfare, is you, you stage fake operations and you've attributed them to your enemies in order to gain popular support against them so that you can then have justification to roll them up and, and have show trials and all this other stuff. So 
I know for a fact that the individual that had been char- arrested, charged, and convicted of these crimes did not take part in those crimes because I was there. I was in many of these so-called planning meetings where they're going to overthrow the government with uh, less than two dozen individuals with no guns. Why did they have no guns? Because they legally left them outside of D.C. Why? Because it's illegal to have them in D.C. So you have to suspend your logic and your reasoning to believe this narrative. You have to honestly insult me by thinking that I would go along with a used car salesman from Central Florida uh, as a 20-year Green Beret Master Sergeant who led elite Special Forces soldiers into combat and say, yeah, I think this is a great plan, let's do it. I mean, it's completely absurd, which is why there's absolutely no media coverage of my story at all. In fact, I get the Wall Street Journal here in my jail cell every day. Every single Oath Keeper verdict has been touted by every branch of the mainstream media except mine. There's no mention of me. I ran for Florida State House of Representatives. Florida political history. Never been done. I received 34.5% of the vote, and yet no local media covered the story. I mean, I've had a couple of reports, uh, one report from a local paper, which was probably, you know, I never got to see it, but it was probably buried on the back page if even made it to print. And then like one or two actual local stories. And the only reason those stories even got ran is because I personally know someone who knew the reporter that did it. But no, I mean, you would think that this would be a key thing. Even when they report on January 6th, there's no mention of the fact that there's a local nexus, you know, to the story because this is what information dominance gets you in an unconventional, unrestricted warfare campaign. The use of psyops and military deception allows you to control the narrative so that people never get any of the information, therefore they never ask any questions and they never look into it. And that's exactly what is going on with my story. And, and, and so you're playing a major part by getting one more set of ears on my name, on my story, on my background, so that maybe somebody will look and say, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. And, you know, we are all about trying to put the truth out there for the public because the mainstream, lamestream propaganda media is completely silent. And you're right, it 100% is a psyop to try to form the, the hearts and minds, the ideology of society by ignorance. And the infiltration that you had mentioned into the different groups, you know, um, I agree 100% that January 6th itself is uh, reminiscent of the burning of the Reichstag. And also the infiltration, like I was saying, is uh, reflective of the days of Martin Luther King Jr., where they had infiltrated a lot of civil rights organizations, uh, peaceful Americans that just wanted to stand up for the civil rights of society, but yet they were deemed as, you know, enemies of the state, monsters, just completely, quote unquote, deplorable, which many in this audience probably understands that phrase quite a bit. And they. Yeah, and if you know anything about the history of tyranny, the, I mean, look at, look at the now 
everyday common usage of the word democracy. I mean, you know who else used democracy? Stalin, right? You know who else used democracy? Hitler. Um, Saddam Hussein got 98% of the vote in his democracy, right? And so when you listen to the language that they're, that they're using, they're using psychological phrases and words. They're using the technique of gaslighting. You notice that they always constantly refer to their democracy, our democracy. Well, we're not a democracy, right? In fact, our founders specifically say in their writings that democracy is the worst form of government because it's mob rule. I mean, Benjamin Franklin said, you know, uh, democracy is two wolves and a sheep deciding what to have for lunch, but liberty is a well-armed sheep contesting the vote. I mean, our founders were not for democracy, which is why in the Constitution it literally states that you are to be guaranteed a Republican form of government, not Republican Party. But see, this is, all goes into the information dominance, right? When you make the population stupid, they can be easily enslaved. So when you read in the U.S. Constitution, if you read it at all, of which I would be willing to bet that less than 10% of the United States population has even read the United States Constitution. But if you read it, it literally says in there that you are guaranteed a Republican form of government. Now, because we are dumbed down as a society, the person is going to hear that and say, oh, that means Republican Party. No, it means we're a republic. A Republican form of government means you have constitutionally uh, uh, mandated guidelines, that you have representatives that represent all segments of population that those representatives go forth and then actually do all the voting and everything like that. So, yeah, this, again, this is why I explained to the keepers back in November, this is not something that just happened. Oh, Trump, oh, Bush, oh, Clinton. No, this is something that's been going on for a very, very long time. Uh, for, I mean, really, since the beginning of time. I mean, uh, we have a world that is segregated into only two groups, those who want to be free and those who want to enslave those who want to be free. And it's as simple as that. And so this is the battle that we're fighting. It is a battle between individual liberty versus collectivism, uh, whether you call it Marxism, communism, globalism, whatever form of government-mandated slavery you want to assign to it. You have one minute remaining. And if you don't believe me, all you have to do is read the Constitution and ask yourself, is this the way they're actually ruling? Is this the way they're actually governing? And the answer is no, because a long time ago we lost our republic. And now they're just trying to get rid of all of us who actually have read the Constitution and are saying, no, this isn't right and we want it to change. As you all may have noticed by now, when calling into the jail and prison systems, they have time limits on their phone calls. Our phone call with Jeremy got cut off a bit short until I was able to speak with him again for the second half of the interview. We had the pleasure of speaking with his girlfriend, Tylene. Hey, friends and family, want to give a very warm welcome to a dear friend by the name of Tylene. She is Jeremy Brown's 
Jeremy Brown's girlfriend. He is currently incarcerated because of his presence at the Capitol on January 6th. As we've all heard, he has been framed, set up, and completely innocent of the bogus charges on which he is being held under. But as we all know, this is not our America. Thanks for coming on to the show, Tylene. How are you doing? I'm good, Joe. How are you? I'm as good as God allows at the moment. I'm out of bed and dressed, so I can't really complain. <laughs> Hopefully you had your coffee. No, oh, yeah, working on that now. Um, certainly an honor and a pleasure to have you on here, ma'am. Um, I've had the, the pleasure of speaking with your boyfriend, Jeremy. His story is not only heart-wrenching and just disgusting the way they're, they are treating him, but it's extremely compelling because of the information that they have placed on him. And really the, the more accurate word is planted. Um, you know, his charges of having a classified CD which had no evidence of him actually having it in his possession whatsoever. Um, thankfully, those charges got dropped, and also the explosives, which again, have no evidence of him having in his possession. And we all know that this came from him not wanting to be an informant for the FBI because they are setting up and framing everybody. What are your uh, your thoughts on, on that in his case? Well, you summed it up perfectly. Um... Fortunately, he was not charged with the um, CD-ROM that contained, according to them, four classified documents. And what was uh, very strange is that CD-ROM was never photographed in our house or on our property. So that was somewhat odd. And that's probably why the jury did not find him guilty of that. Um, Unfortunately, the jury did find him guilty of the grenades, which did not contain DNA of Jeremy's, did not contain dog fibers, our dog hairs from our two Australian shepherds and did not contain carpet fibers from our house. So um, we're not sure how the jury came to that conclusion, but unfortunately they did find him guilty of the, uh, the grenades, um, two charges of the grenades and then um, uh, the um, illegal storage of grenades. So that was three charges there. Um, but we are appealing the, um, the charges and Jeremy's sentencing date is sept- or, excuse me, March 13th. So at that point, we will file for the appeal. And we are currently trying to raise $75,000 for the appellate attorney by March 1st. So if anyone out there is, you know, has the opportunity to, um, to donate to our legal fund, we would really appreciate it. And that can be done at um, www.jeremybrowndefense.com. If you can't afford to donate, we just ask for your prayers. Um, we need a lot of those as well, but we feel very confident in the appeal, and then we'll move forward from there. Um, Jeremy does still have to face the DC charges, which are misdemeanor trespassing. So that will be coming up here after he gets sentenced. So he hasn't technically been to court for the actual charges of January 6th yet. It's all the uh, supplementary charges that they threw at him um, because of his arrest. Yes, the uh, the illegal search warrant that they had um, produced um, a lot of uh, planted stuff, and so he just faced those charges. And next, he'll have to go to D.C. to, to face the misdemeanor trespassing charges. Where is he being held currently? He's currently in the Pinellas County Jail in Clearwater, Florida. And actually, we just had a big victory about a week and a half ago. Um, up until this point, and Jeremy's been in for 16 months. Up until this point, he had been held in maximum security. Just a week and a half ago, we were fortunate um, to um, get Jeremy moved to minimum security, and actually it's into a veterans pod, and uh, it was with the help of tons of our volunteers. Um, we had volunteers who wrote letters to the sheriff. We did um, electronic complaints through the jail. 
we uh, we went to our state representative locally, um, Bernie Jock, and then who actually spoke with the sheriff. And then one of our volunteers was um, uh, ordered a um, a, a, fi- uh, a FOIA for the um, the contract between um, the marshals and the Pinellas County Jail. So I think hitting all of those different angles um, is what forced them to finally move Jeremy um, to the to the veterans pod, which he now has you know, a brand new mattress, a large size pillow, hot water, a microwave, multiple telephones. There are no bars. Um, you know, he can walk freely to the restroom. Um, he can walk freely to the telephones. Um, he's just, it's just amazing. We are so grateful and, uh, and we're so thankful for all of our volunteers who helped in that effort too. Yep. I absolutely remember the, um, the call to action that was put out across a lot of the J6 groups, um, this little family that we've accumulated on Telegram, Mm -hmm. um, asking for folks to call and write and kind of voice that he needed to be moved to the the veterans pod. And, you know, I I do everything that I can in the the cause of action to get involved in those. So I'm very glad to hear that, um, that they were able to finally move him and give him a little better accommodations. Um, we want him out free and, you know, completely, but any way that we can make it better while he's in there is, uh, is always a blessing. So you heard it, America, um, reach out, speak up, help out in any way that you can. Now this man served honorably as you've heard and has done a great service to our nation and does not deserve the atrocious uh, treatment that he's been receiving. I am curious and, uh, one reason that I wanted to, to speak with you, not the only, because I mean, you're just as much a victim in this as, as he is, um, as are many families across the US. But how has this affected you personally? Oh, in so many different ways. Honestly, every day when I wake up, it's the first thing I think about. You know, the last thing I think about before I go to bed, it's constantly on my mind and it's, I just feel so violated and you know, they're financially, it has drained us. I mean, we've been fortunate that we've raised enough money for the, our first attorney. Um, we've had so many donations that we've been, we're just so grateful for. Um, so we haven't had to come out of pocket yet for anything. I'm sure ultimately we will, but, um, it's just, I mean, you know, not having him here, he's my protector, my provider. Um, you know, it's lonely, you know, by myself. Um, it's been horrible. I mean, and every day it's, it's up and down, up and down. You just, every day it's something different. And, you know, it's challenging when he's, you know, when he's upset, I'm upset. When he has a good day, I have a good day. It's just, it's emotionally just completely draining. When he was arrested, uh, were you, were you there? Yes, we were actually outside. Um, we had just sold our house um, and we were supposed to be closing on Monday and they arrested him on the prior Thursday. So um, <clears throat> we were, you know, we were in the middle of moving and packing up and, um, when they arrested him, it was about 3.45 in the afternoon, and we were actually standing outside. And what's ironic is that the two arresting officers or agents were the same two agents who tried to recruit him to be the confidential informant. Oh, wow. Well, the video of him uh, turning them away is pretty much viral. Uh, I'm sure many have seen it. Um, if not, then definitely uh, we can link that video in the description for folks to see. Uh, that was a, a ring camera, or how did that when they when they initially came to our door asking for Jeremy that was on our ring on our cameras um, but Jeremy um, arranged to meet them at a public place at a restaurant 
And then at that point, he um, he let them know that he would be recording them, and he did with their permission. And they still tried to recruit him, so he has it all on um, on a recording. I believe it was on his phone. And whenever he was arrested, like, uh, how did you feel? How did that impact you? What was going through your mind when it was happening? Well, I, at first, I was in shock and just completely devastated. I mean, I didn't know what to do. You know, they they made me stand outside for about an hour. They searched our house for about five and a half hours. Um, I just completely violated. I mean, you know, they took him. I was left here, you know, with them. I mean, they, they took some of my items that I I've got one. They took one of my guns. I got it back. Um, but I mean, they took things. They took his flag. They took a ball cap. It just completely felt completely, completely violated. Um, it just felt so unfair and just, it just awful. I'm sure you were scrambling afterwards to try to figure out what to do, how to get in contact with him. How how long was it uh, before you were able to, to speak to him after his arrest? That evening, he was able to call me from the jail. And what did you guys uh, do after that? Um, panic. <laughs> I mean, I had, to, I had to get in a lawyer. I had to contact all of his family. Um, you know, just it, it was just a panic, really. I mean, I was in shock. And I couldn't get a lawyer. I mean, he had a public defender who we ultimately used in the beginning. Um, but I didn't know what to do. I mean, we had never been involved with the law, you know, in the past. So, you know, really just panic. And how long have uh, you and Jeremy been together? Um, actually, this this month is nine years. Wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Your 10th year, hopefully, will be yes. glorious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> how long has Jeremy been incarcerated in Florida? Uh, about 16 months. Have you guys had any uh, backlash from the community, from local law enforcement after his arrest or any uh, family issues? Um, what what um, type of division has this caused for you? No, we, um, you know, a couple of days after Jeremy was arrested, one of the news stations showed up and knocked on my door. I didn't answer. Went around knocking on all the neighbors' doors, but I was fortunate to have a, a friend of mine who's connected with that news agency, and they put a stop to that. So we have not been harassed at all, based pretty much. I mean, it's been pretty calm, thank God. But we did have a rally um, where an Antifa guy showed up and, you know, had a uh, we what we thought was a pipe bomb, but according now they're saying it wasn't. But um, he was released on bail right away. Um, that's probably the the, ma- the major thing that's happened. Wow. Yeah, and that is so typical of these stories today that mm-hmm. the actual aggressors get off scot-free and wholesome American patriots are the ones being punished. And it shows that this is purely politically motivated um, and it's saddening the state of our nation. So we know that Jeremy ran for office, um, which is truly amazing um his drive and his ambition and his fighting spirit is inspirational and admirable but that kind of goes with the territory considering that he is a warrior at heart um when he told you that he was going to be run running for office uh what what did you think how did you feel about that well i wasn't surprised um he ran for um u.s congress back in 2020 which we had to um, end that campaign due to COVID because we uh, we escaped to uh, Texas at that point, knowing that something was not right. Um, so when he ran this year, it was for Florida State House. 
And um, I think it was good for him because Jeremy needs a purpose and it was good for him to keep his mind occupied while he was in there and, you know, give him a purpose and, you know, reach out to the community. Um, He did run in a heavily um, Democratic district, which so uh, unfortunately he did not win, but um, it was actually really good for him. And it helped us build up our team of volunteers and just really get out to the community and get his message out as well. And I'm sure that came with some of its downfalls and also benefits. Um, can you elaborate on any of that? Um, really, there were no downfalls. I mean, it, the, the campaign was excellent. I mean, we had a fantastic campaign. We had a great group of um, volunteers. Um, it, it was all all positive, honestly. And we had interviewed uh, Miss Elena Gibson, um, who, from what I understand, had worked on the, mm-hmm. the Jeremy Brown campaign for a little while. And mm-hmm. um, she does a, a lot of work. I'm trying to push out messages and information for patriots out in the community. Yeah, there... Helena has been very instrumental in, um, in keeping the J6 message alive and supporting, you know, all of the, the J6ers, their families. Um, she's been on a, a lot of new, um, I think they're called Twitter space. She's doing a lot of those now, too. So she's she's been a tremendous help. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, from what I understand, she's teamed up with a gentleman that goes by the name of the general and they do a Twitter space almost daily. And uh, there's tons of people that come in, great information that's shared. So anybody in the audience, you go on Twitter, um, if you haven't been you know, banned or haven't created a new account, uh, you should definitely go check them out. Uh, they're rather enjoyable. I poke my head, head into there every now and then. Um, I've had people ask me to create a Twitter space, but with everything else that I got going on, I don't have the, uh, I don't have the commitment of time that it, that it would require. Right. So I have a lot of respect for, for any of those that are out there pushing out that message. And Helena has always been positive and got a smile on her face, but she can be a bit of a spitfire whenever you get her worked up on a certain topic, especially the uh, egregious treatment that these men and women are receiving. Right. Is there, um, how, how can we as Americans help you out? I know you mentioned his uh, fundraiser earlier, but good as a reminder, put that out and then let us know any calls to action, any, any way that we can help you out. Yeah, financially for his legal funds is the number one um, area where we need help. And um, you can go to jeremybrowndefense.com and there's two ways to donate. You can click on the Give, Send, Go to donate by credit card or debit card. Or if you want to be anonymous, we have a P.O. box. You can go to any post office and get a mail order um, or I'm sorry, a money order. And uh, those are free of charge. You know, your name's not attached to them. We take checks through the P.O. box. So um there's uh, multiple ways to donate, and really that's what we need is um, help with a legal fund. Um, another call to action that we recently had is um, letters of leniency written to the judge for Jeremy's sentencing. Um, and those are more personal, so if anyone has a personal relationship with Jeremy or just wants to write our judge, um, all of uh, that information is on the, um, the Give, Send, Go page as well. I hope that any American that feels compelled to express their opinion of how horrible that this treatment of the January Sixers has been and the setup of the uh, the day itself uh, to bring that to light and let the judge know as Americans we have a voice and our voice counts that's why they are always trying to silence us and to let them know like hey this man is a, a hero a warrior for our country and he has been fighting for free speech and American values pretty much his entire life no way that our nation should turn their back on him the way that they have so put pen to paper folks and put a 
a, vo a voice of encouragement and love and mercy out to the court that can definitely go a long way to help out is um is there anything else that you would like to uh share miss tyleen yeah um so something else for you know a lot of these j6ers are veterans as well and you know it, it, anytime a, a veteran is sentenced to prison um, they lose their military benefits not only their pay uh, their retirement, their health insurance, um, and that will happen 60 days after sentencing. So, you know, that affects not only Jeremy, but it affects, you know, his family, child support, his um, his former wife's um, retirement that helps support his children. Um, it's just very unfortunate that, you know, for an average man, if he had a retirement, it doesn't get taken away if he goes to prison. But if you're, you know, a former government employee, you lose your retirement while you're incarcerated. And it's, it's extremely unfair. That's something that's worrisome uh, on my end as well, because I'm a Navy vet. Don't hold that against me. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I received disability compensation because I was injured um, mm -hmm. in service, service connected. Mm -hmm. And um, if I get in, you know, become incarcerated, then I'm going to lose that. And that is uh, something that my family and I depend on. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So. And you're right. Uh, civilians, they get to keep what they receive. Exactly. Uh, but those that served our nation, it is stripped away at the peril of those that depend on it, even on the outside. Exactly. Pray to God that, you know, that we receive the justice um, that all of the J6ers do. And, you know, just keep, keep your faith in the Lord and and uh, hopefully we'll come out on the right side of this eventually. Uh, we are looking forward to the days when true justice can rear its head and the lawsuits are going to be beautiful because this has been a travesty in our nation. Uh, some of the things that he had, had done in the community before, before the arrest, because January 6th does not define him to who he is. Um, what, what is some insight that you may have as to how, who Jeremy is as a person? Oh, wow. Well, obviously he was in the military for 20 years, but at the age of 16, Jeremy became a volunteer firefighter and volunteered as a firefighter throughout his career. Even when he was deployed, he would, he would volunteer any way in any place he could um, throughout his entire military career. He was also an EMT. Um, he's been a, a coach for basketball, wrestling, you know, took teams to championships. Um, he was a successful business owner. We owned a limousine company. You know, he provided free funeral service to law enforcement, military, firefighters. Um, he's just been, I mean, he's a giver, you know, and, and he's always out in the community doing whatever he can. I mean, he's a very positive person. And, you know, what has what has happened to him is just horrible. It's truly horrible. Yeah. And the federal government wants you to think that that is the true picture of a terrorist. Right. Give, me a, give me a break. A man that has dedicated his life to service and has helped fight terrorism across this globe came home and has been labeled one by the same government in which he vowed to serve exactly that is a sad slap to the face so folks get involved speak up we cannot let this mistreatment happen to the greatness of our country and by greatness i mean we the people we are the greatness in America. We are the strength of this nation. We, the people, are the ones in control. The Constitution dictates that we, the people, have the power, and those that are in government office are there strictly to serve. They do not rule. And they are overreaching that power, and we need to be the ones to speak up. 
Are there anything that you would have to share about the uh, the J6 family as a whole? Um, well, I, no, I I will tell you, just having them, I mean, there's a couple of them that I text with on a daily basis, pretty much, and just having that support and knowing that we're all going through the same thing, you know, sharing ideas and, you know, uh, just keep keeping that close-knit family has been super helpful. Yep. Community makes the whole difference. Um, so if there are any folks out there that are under the pressure of the federal government that have not gotten involved in any of these groups, please reach out. You do not have to carry that burden alone. You can go on my website. It's sing4freedom.us um, and there's ways to reach out to different groups on there in our affiliates page more specifically, plus all the other cool features that are on there you might be able to benefit from. Um, but also you can reach and email me at info at singforfreedom.us. That's info at sing, the number four, freedom.us. And I will be more than happy to point you in the right direction to get you some, some help, some aid, some family to be embraced by those that will not judge and appreciate your patriotism towards our nation. I want to thank you um, for taking time out of your busy schedule to have this podcast and and um, and I wish you the best in, in your you know what you're going through as well and and I'll pray for you. I would like to take a moment to say there are several ways that you can help support this podcast and support our mission with the Sing for Freedom campaign and in this fight for justice with the DOJ, the FBI. Uncle Sam, the Brandon administration, to bring fairness and justice to the J6 family. First, you can go to my website of sing4freedom.us. There are a ton of tools in there. There's the affiliates page to show the several different groups that you can get involved with, help with, that are out there making a difference in this fight. The affiliates page are vetted groups that are not out there to be a scam. They're not out there to make a profit. They are pouring their heart and soul out in defense of our January Sixers. Then also on the website, you can check out where all of the Give, Send, Go fundraisers are. And if you donate to that, it goes directly to the families of the January 6th defendants, the inmates and those that are being persecuted by this administration because of their presence at the Capitol, myself included. On top of that, you can leave a voice message for this podcast, giving a message of love, hope, and encouragement to the families, to the inmates. Sing the national anthem for the Sing for Freedom campaign to stand in solidarity with them. You can either post a video online with that hashtag of sing the number four freedom or the voice message option. You can send it to us as audio and we very well might premiere it on the podcast, but we'll definitely share it and spread it and show the families that they have an entire army of patriots standing behind them in this fight. Also, you can check out our sponsor, which is MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com. Make Honey Great Again is a sweet, one-pound, raw, pure honey. No fillers, no corn syrup, no communist bees, guaranteed. But MakeHoneyGreatAgain.com, everything is American-made, including the 
bottle in which the honey comes, just like Donald Trump. So if you want to upset some of your lefty liberal friends, bake them a pie, and when they tell you, it, oh, this tastes so great, show them the Donald Trump bottle of honey and say, this is where it came from. Watch their heads melt. But when you do go to makehoneygreatagain.com, you can support us by using the promo code of FREEDOM because freedom has never tasted so sweet. This will help keep the Sing for Freedom dream alive and keep going what we are doing here with the websites, the podcast. It's not just a t-shirt or some sort of merchandise, which we also do have and offer at P2P Printing. That's the the letter P, the number two, the letter P, printing.com, where you can get all the Sing for Freedom merchandise that you're heart could desire everybody loves it so go grab you some so we certainly appreciate you listening and participating in this shout for freedom this call to justice and this quite obnoxious protest of the administration that we will not comply we will not consent because we the people are the ones in control and we want our country back so and now enjoy the rest of the interview with jeremy as we take the third phone call Now comes the time for the second half of the interview with Jeremy Brown. And when you're listening to this, I want you to take into consideration his expertise in the military as one of the most elite forces that our country has to offer. He has a very unique skill set and a very intuitive perspective on what is going on in our nation now what happened on the 6th, what was happening leading up to the 6th, some of the tactics that we saw on that day and that our country has experienced a little before and since are reflective of things that have been happening in foreign nations at the hand of such elite soldiers as Mr. Brown himself. Always hear about it because 
they like to wave the flag of we've got another guilty verdict, we got another guilty verdict, but yet you'll never see stories about my cases because the intent and the purpose of, of you know, my entire incarceration is to silence me and ensure that no one learns about my story because my story is the story of, uh, you know, the, the guy who knows too much about January 6th because uh, not only do I have a background in these types of operations uh, that were conducted by our federal government law enforcement bureaucracy, uh, but I was there. I mean, I was. I mean, there's. I literally have a photograph uh, that was published in the Epoch Times when they rendered story about the revealing of all the FBI confidential informants prior to January 6th. That is me standing next to Kelly Meggs, who was, you know, convicted. Sometimes, uh, you know, people kind of correlate January 6th operations uh, with the infiltration um, to kind of be reminiscent of the CIA's color revolution. Does that ring a bell towards you uh, and maybe holding some weight? is what you do, right? I mean, it's one of the many techniques that are used 
each type of resurgency or counterinsurgency. So where we are as a nation is that our entire federal government bureaucracy, our administrative state, is completely compromised and has been for a very long time by those who believe in globalism, not American sovereignty. And that's the reason why every single thing that you see in the news is towards those ends, right? I mean, whether it's the 15% global tax on corporations, right? Well, I don't know if anybody in America signed up for a global tax. And who's managing this global tax? And where is this global tax being spent, right? But this is not uh, the way a constitutional republic should be run, nor was it ever the intent of our founders to be part of a global community or a global society, right? I mean, we should work together with other nations to ensure peace and, um, you know, work together for economic uh, purposes, but that's to be done through treaties, not through the surrendering of our sovereignty. Yeah, they definitely want to erase our borders and, uh, put us all under one giant umbrella of tyrannical rule uh, that's been seen course, since... They've already erased our borders. I mean, hello, southern border. <laughs> right. I mean, yep. what, what, what you see on a daily basis, and literally, you know, we have we have a podcast called The Fusion Cell where, where we work to try to tie all of this together, right? Because in the, the military, uh, especially within the special operations community where we're, where we're responsible for not only gathering a lot of our own intelligence, but then tying that intelligence together with other uh, pieces of intelligence. You have what's called a fusion cell, and that fusion cell takes in all of these disparate uh, observations, all these uh, conclusions from all these other agencies and all of these other information sources and try to put together, put it together in a picture. And so... uh, idea of compartmentalization is to make keep everything, every activity, you know, as if it's separate, right? As if the global tax is separate from the energy crisis, as, as if the energy crisis is separate from the food crisis, when really they're all actually part of a much larger operation, which is to gain control of the world population under this, you know, you know conspiratorial, you know, one world government. I mean, not a conspiracy. They literally, I mean, it is a conspiracy. It's two or more people uh, joining together in order to commit a crime, uh, and that crime would be against American sovereignty, right? Uh, but you know, they brag about it on television. They write about it in in white papers and books. I mean, it's no hidden thing. We're just conditioned to believe that anything that sounds crazy must not be true, right? When in reality. Uh, they're basically hiding in plain sight. So as you look at the headlines and you start to relate all these things, and that's exactly the purpose of a, of a fusion cell, is to tie all these things together and what do they mean uh, in the big picture, right? And, and this is why, uh, you know, the news cycle is controlled. It's why, again, the media is such a powerful uh, weapon of war because the control of human thought is the, the, the master weapon system, right? It's why the, the CIA and the intelligence community spend so much time, effort, and resources on the study of human behavior, the human mind, and things like that. 
So what do you foresee uh, for America's future? Do What do you think some of their next moves may be? Or what do you think some of the moves that we need to make to counteract the progress that they've already made right under our noses? right now as much as they you know, try to make this out this is what they like to do they always like to paint uh, intention and complicity with incompetence right so let, let's take the Chinese surveillance balloons for example um, the Chinese are openly surveilling the United States because they're being allowed to openly surveil the United States because as we all know and if we had any, if any of us had actually looked at all of the dots, like they like to say, the connecting of the dots, right? They've infiltrated academia, right? Uh, which is a you know communist communist tactic that was talked about by Yuri Bezmenov, right? The infiltration of academia, which back in the mid '80s he said, "Well, we've already done this and it's been successful." Well, it continued from the mid '80s until now, an additional 40 years of indoctrination through academia um, un, un, you know, unresisted, right? And so you, you have academia infiltrated through the uh, Thousand Talents program, right? You have the medical industry uh, infiltrated by, you know, not only through the academia insertion into the medical industry, but also the pharmaceutical control of the supply chain, right? I mean, an overwhelming majority of all pharmaceutical products or medical products for that matter, you know, have to go through something related to China, right? And, and so all of it, and, and don't get me wrong, China is just a one of the useful idiots in this grand scheme as well, because the, the powers that be, they love war, so you have to have two sides of every war, and, and so, um, you know, you have to have somebody willing to go to war, and, uh, and that's why you see you know, the constant uh, war drums being beaten about Russia and Ukraine and Iran and Israel and China and India and North Korea and all these other things, right? But a perpetual state of distraction. And it's no different than, than George Orwell's 1984, right? We've always been at war with your Asia, and East Asia has always been our ally until... We've always been at war with East Asia, and Eurasia is our ally, right? So we literally live in a cycle of war where we can't even keep track of who the good guys and the bad guys are, and, and this is all part of the distraction and the gaslighting uh, because, of, you know, the Soviet Union was our ally in World War II, right? These are the perfect scenarios. <laughs> you know, the Japanese during World War II were actually fighting against the Chinese, and so... Um, but yet, in just a short amount of time, we've, we've flipped all the good guys and the bad guys around. We shift them around, right? And, uh, and we keep everybody going, yeah, 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 Ukraine is the good guy here. When just a few years ago, Ukraine was talked about as being one of the most corrupt governments in the entire world. And they still are, right? But see, this is, this is the level of distraction that goes on on a regular basis. And so now you're seeing the surveillance balloons. And it's part of the new story, and the ex explanation is, oh, well, Biden's incompetent. Well, no, Biden is compromised, right? This is why we see uh, Chinese warships off the coast of the United States. This is why we see Russian submarines moving around uh, undetected. I mean, all of these things 
probing operations, right, that are being allowed to happen. And you don't probe your opponent's wire until you're in the final stages of moving, right? Because not only are you giving away you know, some information, but you're also gaining valuable information. The point of a probe is to see what your enemy's reaction is. And it's my assessment that that's exactly what you're seeing. You're seeing well-publicized probing operations, right, that are all indications of some type of action that's going to be coming on part of the China, Russia, or whoever else that they want to get involved in this uh, big, huge mess. It's not, like, the truth is not us and them. Okay, that, that's the distraction, right? The distraction is good guy, bad guy. There's no good guy and there's no bad guy, right? The intent is war, because war is how we distract the people. It's how we accomplish uh, many of the globalist uh, control measures, right? We saw uh, the League of Nations come out of World War One. We see the UN come out of World War Two, and we're going to see the World Economic Forum and the conglomeration of the UN and the WHO and all these other things come out of World War Three, right? And this is the purpose. See, the enemy here isn't China, Russia, Ukraine, uh, Colombia, Venezuela, Cuba. No, the enemy is national sovereignty. The enemy are useful, useless politicians, right? I mean, and, and you can even look at the now uh, destroyed Georgia Guidestone and look down on the list of ideas and uh, they literally believe a principle is that we should get rid of these, these useless politicians and these, these unnecessary rules and laws. Well, that's just a nice way of saying your local official who you have the most contact with, right, who you have the most control over because he lives in your neighborhood, he lives in your community, he shouldn't be the one coming up with all of these ordinances and everything. We really need to have these appointed, benevolent uh, officials at the world level who all agree on things and uh, peace and all those stuff. So in order to get to that point, we have to destroy all these uh, sovereign systems the world, and that, that's exactly what these these unions are, right? This these conglomeration of groups. Like it all seems very kumbaya, and we all get together, and we're going to all save the world. Um, but it's really just a a control measure, right? I mean, they 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 want control over the world, over the resources, over the people, and you're seeing all of these different things taking place. The uh, breakdown of the food system, the constant lies that we don't have enough resources to sustain the world's population. This is a lie that's gone on for literally half a century now, if not beyond that, right, with the population bomb. And they're still wheeling out these same clowns, spewing the same lies, you know, nearly a half century later, um, after the population has, what, doubled, tripled since then, right? Al Gore, who said we were all supposed to be already destroyed by now, is still running around telling the same exact lies and until we realize, wait a minute, this is all just a game that they're playing to distract us and to lie to us while they secretly and incrementally take away our freedom and our liberty, right? Like Arnold Schwarzenegger says, screw your freedom, right? This is what the world's global elites believe 
and they are exercising every opportunity they can uh, to move toward that end. And that's how you explain all this stuff. Because, see, I hear people all the time, well, what is going on? Like, how do, how do we stop this? Well, we first must stop it by identifying. You can't solve any issue without first identifying the true cause and effect, right? If you don't accurately identify what the issue is, you're never going to come up with an effective solution. So that really needs to be our first step, which is informing ourselves and realizing that the uh, things are going in the wrong direction. And unless we, the people, stop them, they're going to be successful. You know, this uh, reminds me of a bit of scripture it says that we are supposed to recognize the times and the seasons and uh really um i think we are in the midst of those times that we should definitely be recognizing what's going on globally and you know we've heard about the outcome of a one world government one world economy one world religion and how that ends ultimately god wins but it's pretty perilous here um up until that point you know, they're, they are out in the open with it. They're not hiding it. They're not trying to mask it or give it any type of excuse anymore. They're just gaslighting people into believing that if they don't align with it, then they're part of the problem. And, you know, that's one thing is all of us who out here push truth and try to fight those narrative of lies have been fighting uphill against. And uh, so I, I can certainly relate. They're pretty much one global disaster away from being able to just snatch everything up because as they like to say they never let a tragedy go to waste well that's right i mean it's the alien dialectic right they'll create they'll create the they'll create the circumstance right and then <laughs> they'll already have a pre-planned solution and what they really want to do is bring everybody to their knees clamoring for what is going on here how can we stop this and they say hey, we have an idea, right? They're the creator of the problem. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, uh, it's like, the, uh, it's like the, the, the burglar syndicate that uh, takes out big insurance policies, robs their own assets, and then they keep their assets and then also cash in on the, uh, on the insurance policy, right? So, I mean, look, these are, these are uh, diabolical, uh, evil criminals, but the problem is that most of them actually believe that they're the good guys. I mean, they... They believe that they're saving the planet. They believe they're on lie, right? I mean, uh, and, and, and that's really the, the, the issue is um, that they do believe they're on lie. They don't think that they've done anything wrong. But what our saving grace is that, you know, we severely outnumber them. That we would just get back to loving our own liberty, to being uh, cognizant of the fact that it's okay if I fail, I'm free, right? They've created conditions that make everybody want PPP money or Social Security or this program or that program. They've created dependency, uh, and so therefore they've given us our own uh, voluntary slave chains, and we, we gladly uh, slap them right on our own wrists, right? And so uh, it's why, you know, look at the, the debate over the debt ceiling, right? Uh, the credit card is maxed out. And we've literally convinced the American people that we can continue to run up debt, which is all fake anyway, right? But, uh, you know, we're, we still have more debt, probably five times the amount of debt that we actually have 
not assets, if you look at uh, America's GDP, right? But my gosh, we, we can't default uh, because what about Social Security and Medicare, right? And so the so-called party that is supposed to be the um, fiscally responsible party, right? <laughs> the Republicans, which is kind of a joke. Um, they're the first thing they do when faced with, oh, the narrative that the Republicans want to take away your entitlements. They say, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to take away your entitlements. Well, it's impossible to get control of spending because entitlements are such a huge portion of their overspending, right? But see, because of the, uh, because of the dependency and the lack of self-reliance, that they have conditioned into the American You have one minute remaining. Because of this uh, conditioning, right, Americans, we just say, yeah, well, certainly you can't get rid of Social Security or Medicaid, Medicare, um, but yet it hasn't even been around that long, right? It's like the FBI. The FBI hasn't been around that long. There's no constitutional mandate for a federal law enforcement uh, bureaucracy, right? <laughs> but we all believe that literally, like, George Washington stood up the FBI. No, that's not the truth. We've learned what the government has wanted us to learn. Well, hopefully... We're about to get cut off, Joe. Um, yep, you can just call me back. Happen, I can call back if you want. Absolutely. Thank you for using Global Telling. Yes, sir. And I have to, I have to point something out. The uh, phone system that you're uh, calling me with is called the Global Tell Link, and that just, I find that humorous considering the topic. Well, of course, everything's global, man. We're, it, takes a, it takes a village, right? Didn't Hillary tell us that? Yeah, yeah. She also says she wanted to put adults in camps to re-educate them, but we won't go there, I guess. Yeah. So. It's a coordinated effort, and they've been coordinating this for a very, very long time, right? The beginning of mankind. I mean, the Constitution was under attack the day signed, and so was every other form of freedom and liberty, right? There's always people who seek power, and they exercise their power over others in order to control them. Yeah, and the Constitution stands in the way of that because it gives the power to us, we the people, and that they're not supposed to rule over us, they are to serve us, and uh, that is repugnant to their narrative, so that's why we... If they can get away with ignoring the Constitution, then does it exist? It's like, does it, if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound if no one hears it? <laughs> and that's really what we need to get back to as citizens, right? And what I tell my fellow inmates here... Everything in your life is your fault. Everything in my life is my fault. And if we don't accept our role in the condition of this country, if we continue to blame the Democrats or the Republicans or whatever, well, then we're never going to fix it because that's not the problem. The problem is we don't know what the Constitution says. We don't know what the Bible says. We don't know what the, really anything says. We go off of what people tell us. Right, which is why, I mean, look at the prevalence of 24-hour news channels, right? I mean, when I was a kid, there was only three news programs every day, and it was the you know, 6.30 nightly news on three different networks, right? And now there's so much demand 
Canada that they literally have. I mean, how many news networks are there now? <laughs> you can't even keep up with them. And that's because people love to be told what's going on rather than figure out what's going on on their own. Right, and that is a, a huge proponent of the Hegelian dialectic, where they create the problem. The news propaganda arm tells you how to react, and then they're, yeah. they, quote-unquote, they stand there with the solution that involves us losing rights and liberties and them gaining power and money, etc., at the peril right. of our own society. They tell us that the problem is this, that, or the other thing, and then we believe them, but yet... I was just listening uh, not long ago to uh, John Locke. He was on the uh, Bill Cunningham uh, show, and he was breaking down, you know, crime statistics. And he's like, "Look, you know, people think America is a, a place of mass shootings, when in reality, we're 65th in the world uh, for mass shootings. When when you actually use the statistical um, unit of measure that you should, which is per capita per person, right? Because America is a large country." And he says, you know, in 50% of the counties in the country, there's zero murders per year. And in, the, and in another 35%, there's only one per year. So 85% of the country doesn't have a crime problem, right? And yet, what do we get pumped into our minds all day, every day, uh, through these news channels? Guns, 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 right? Guns isn't even close to the leading killer of Americans, right? But this is the narrative. Why? Because the tyrants can't have an armed society that w- that might exercise their right uh, to self-defense against tyranny, right? Yeah, FBI, FBI statistics came out uh, showing, like, which weapons were used in homicides. Um, I think it was back in 2017, and they were... Uh, talking about, you know, handguns and then uh, long rifles and, you know, specifically pointed at the AR-15 at one point. But if you take all firearm deaths combined of pistols, long rifles, and what they want to try to call assault rifles, um, they actually paled in comparison to the hammer. That more people that year were killed with hammers than actual firearms of any sort. And we don't see anybody screaming to ban hammers, obviously. That's not true, because a while back on my podcast, I called for comprehensive hammer control. <laughs> uh, I, I want to solve the real problem, which is hammer violence. And so, um, you know, but of course, then you'd have the uh, construction lobby that would fight against that. When, when the, the real problem that we have is that we've, we've uh, outsourced our morality to the government. And when we outsource our morality, when we outsource our provision to a body that always lends towards tyranny and, and bondage and control, well then we're going to get those things, right? So if you go to a government school, you're going to learn what the government wants you to learn. Right? right. I mean, if you go to a Satanist school, you're going to learn Satanist things, right? I mean, this shouldn't be that hard to figure out, right? So there's no surprise that once we've given over our educational sovereignty to a federal government, that we now live in a federal government dependency state. And so, you know, one of the things that I tell people, because, you know, uh, when I was married, we, we had five daughters and we homeschooled them because I believe in actually teaching my children, right? See, uh, we've been duped into this idea that we have to have the two-income family, we have to do this, we have to do that. But throughout my marriage, we only operated on one income because 
lie, right? I mean, you can live without it. In fact, um, all of these things basically are self-perpetuating, right? The reason why you can't live or the, the, the myth that you can't live on one income is because everyone has two incomes. But if everyone had one income, guess what? The market would stabilize, would reach the you know, stasis, right? It would, it would no longer require two incomes. See, this is exactly how this materialistic version of America has come about, where after the Great Depression, I think I heard a, a, a statistic one time that 90% of Americans uh, were able to you know, live a self-sustaining lifestyle, which is what helped them get through the Great Depression, right? But now that the numbers are flipped, where literally is the same, you know, if the Dust Bowl or the Great Depression were to hit America today, there would be mass death because everyone is so reliant and uh, they, they don't know where food comes from, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it's completely absurd. I tell people in here all the time, I go, you know, it's free to live. You could literally live for free. Yeah, it's possible. Food grows out of the ground and animals roam the earth, right? You don't have to have any money to survive. But we've been convinced that, well, we have to have two jobs to survive. Why? Because we got to have this and we got to have that and we got to have this. And, and again, these are the, the actual voluntary slave chains that, are, that we, we lock on our own wrists. And because we like the com creature comforts of uh, our government provided lifestyle, um, we're not willing to, to change. And so, uh, what are you going to get next? Well, you're going to get a, the next level of government, which is going to be a global government that's going to uh, look even more harshly upon your liberty and your freedom. So uh, we really need to wake up and get back to, to liberty. It is by far uh, probably one of the truest things that have been said uh, today. Our dependency is going to be our downfall. Complacency is just harboring and fostering that. And uh, it is time for us to wake up. That's a call to action, America. We need to pull our heads out of our per proverbial rears and start doing something. Um, speaking of calls to action, the wonderful patriots and Americans that have taken our previous call to action to uh, write letters and call and, uh, you know, shake the windows and rattle the walls of uh, this institution that has been persecuting you, um, they have actually wavered and moved you to a, uh, a veterans facility, is that correct? Yeah, so, so within the Pinellas County Resort for Threats to Democracy, um, you have a very security level. So I was being held at the maximum security level my entire time here, even when I was only facing two misdemeanor counts of trespassing, right? Because, you know, I'm, I'm basically an enemy of the state, right? And so after, you know, the conviction, yeah, I said, you know, look, I'm going to spend three or four more months here. I want to at least be in a better uh, standard of living. And so uh, I put the word out that the, you know, I explained uh, what the jail has to offer as far as different security levels, and I explained why there's no reason for me to be held in MAC. And um, the supporters here locally uh, took action. And, and, and with, with the intent, I mean, uh, I, I, I try to do these things often where I say, look, you, know, you have the power. They want you to think that you don't have the power, right? That's a lie. It's 
oh, there's nothing you can do, blah, 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 you know, whatever. No, you have the power, right? And so what we did is we launched on this campaign to do whatever you can do in order to bring light to this to this matter. And so for a few weeks, people wrote letters and emailed and phone calls. Uh, a local elected official, uh, state rep, uh, Bernie Jacques, got involved, called the sheriff. Um, I, I heard of other elected officials. I haven't gotten any names or else I, I would give them uh, credit here. But the bottom line is people got involved. And they said, look, this is not right. right? And even in the Black's Law Dictionary, definition for cruel and unusual punishment says there's no defined definition. It is a societal definition. It means that whatever the community says is cruel and unusual is cruel and unusual. So according to the Eighth Amendment, the community says, hey, this inmate, regardless of his crime, should not be facing these types of, of, of repercussions. We think that's cruel and unusual, then, then the system is supposed to act in accordance with those Eighth Amendment rights. And so this is a perfect example of the people coming together and demanding of their employees, which is what politicians are. The sheriff is our employee. Uh, senators are employee. The president is our employee. The governor is our employee. And so when the employer, which is we the people, demands action from their employees, well, they either do it or they lose their job. That's the way works, right? And so they were able to conduct this campaign, and after a few weeks, I actually got a visit from a lieutenant and a sergeant who were very professional, and, and the staff here at the Pinellas County Resort for Threats of Democracy has always been extremely professional. There's a, I have a lot of support in here. They, they know of the story. A lot of them are very informed about the story, but uh, a lot of them, you know, know the general gist story, right? And they came very professional and you know, in an attempt to explain that, hey, this is malicious, this, that, and the other thing, right? But I explained to him, I said, look, if we were to line all the, all the federal inmates that are being held uh, on a contract, uh, because Pinellas County Jail holds the federal contract, if they were all lined up, I guarantee you that my uh, charges would be in the lower percentage. And so why am I not in a lower level? Well, sure enough, uh, weeks later, you know, I kind of you know, thought that, you know, I guess they're just not going to do any of but at 8 o'clock in the morning they call me and tell me to roll it up and, and they move me over here to uh, what they deem a veteran spot. It's not all veterans, but because of COVID, they kind of let their veterans pod program you know, fade away, like a lot of programs, right? Because you can't do anything because of COVID, you know that. You can't go to church, you can't go to mom and pop stores, but you can go to big stores. So, so COVID is the excuse for everything, but uh, but they moved me to this uh, to this new low security pod, which is a totally better lifestyle. And the only reason it happened is because we, the people, took a stand, made our voices heard, and there wasn't a need for big rallies. There was no, you know, uh, there was no conspiracy of armed overthrow, right? So I'm sure the FBI was very disappointed because um, then they couldn't use it to, uh, to throw anybody in jail. It was simply Americans saying, hey, this isn't right. We're aware of what you're doing that's not right. And unless you change it, then we're going to take uh, our appropriate actions as employers. And so, um, 
so I was able to get moved. And so I'm grateful uh, for all the people that have done it because, it's, again, it is the difference between living in a frat house uh, right after the national uh, championship win, uh, <laughs> 16 hours a day every day, super loud. Like, I never heard a television program in 16 months because it was so loud to the equivalent of a 55 and over community center, right? So uh, it's a much better uh, standard of living, and it was only brought to, brought about by the actions of everyday American citizens, and, I, and I'm grateful that, uh, that they took me at my word that they can change things, and that's the message that I have all the time, that we, the people, can change things if we move in unison uh, and, and not buy into their division. And a perfect example of division is, uh, I told my girlfriend before I called you, and you know, they're going to play the Black National Anthem tonight at the Super Bowl. Well, the last time I checked it, I, just, I didn't know there was a separate country, right? Because that's what a national anthem is. And this is nothing more than a propaganda attempt to divide us, right? They, they use three tools. Deception, distraction, and division, right? And so they're going to use a distraction bellwether in order to further divide us by saying, oh, these people, right, it's just like how Mao did it, right, you got rid of the four holes, um, these people over here, they're separate from you, right, and, and this is what we have to identify as intentional control measures, because they don't really care about the black community, if they did, they would do something about all the problems within the urban community, right, what they care about is arguing and fighting with each other so that we're not arguing and fighting with them because if we were to all actually unite behind liberty and freedom, regardless of what, hey, look, if you want to be a communist, you're free to want to be a communist. Go right ahead. I mean, I would suggest that you travel to a communist country first and inform yourself, but you have the right to have those views. If you want to be gay, if you want to be whatever, you want to be a Whatever you want to do in life, in America, you should have the, the freedom and the liberty to do so as long as it doesn't impinge or endanger other people's freedom and liberty, right? We could just all gather around that message that we could get this country back on track, right? I mean, the urban community is in the condition that it is because of dependence and a lack of self-reliance. You know, there's a drug culture pumped in on a daily basis, and this is all controlled by wealthy, globally linked elites, right? It, it's intentional. It is putting the thought of this is the correct way you should live, and then they use it to divide because then they go to the other cultures and they say, look at that culture over there, right? I mean, it's the same people doing the same things in order to divide us. Uh, you'll get a good example of that tonight at the, at the world's largest distraction event. Yeah, and the the Super Bowl is is rife with what they push on us in that form of division, which is really the tribalist ideology of us versus them, and you know they other um, the other side, and that's uh, you know one of the biggest tactics in their playbook is. Uh, like you said, division, distraction, and division. That's uh, CoIntel Pro 101. Oh, yeah, exactly. And uh, whenever you discover what their operational name is, those changes. Implore everybody to uh, to do what 
I absolutely uh, love a, a phrase that you had coined. Uh, at least I've heard it um, given credit to you on numerous occasions is to don't do nothing. Um, America needs to stand up and do something. And the only way that we can do this is if we all unite under the same banner of freedom and don't do nothing. We need to just get involved speak up for what you're passionate about to right these injustices that are happening in our country before it's too late. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's simply derived from Edmund Burke uh, saying that the only thing that people need in order to triumph is for good men to do nothing, right? And so people ask me all the time, well, what can we do? What can we do? And, and I'm working on something that actually plays off that, uh, <laughs> that line of don't do nothing because literally the operational plan is to do nothing, right? This is a incremental economic slowdown. And so if you like to do nothing, I've got the plan specifically for you, right? And so we're, we're working on that. But the idea is people ask all the time, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And my answer is I don't know what you can do. You know what you can do, right? Can you sew? Can you speak? Can you write? Um, do you like to uh, be on social media? Are you uh, able to talk to strangers with no problem at all? Like me, I always uh, talk to every checkout person that there is, right? Because, you know, I, I like to have conversations with people because I'm comfortable that way, right? And so only you know what your strengths only you know what your your likes and dislikes are. And so what, what you need to do, just like Dave Ramsey says, you want to be successful in life, find what it is that you love and figure out a way to make money at it, right? Well, if you want to help to save uh, America the way it was founded, well, find what you're good at and then find a way to apply that talent, uh, that time, or that treasure in focusing it towards the restoration of liberty and freedom, because just like a, a patchwork quilt, I mean, uh, uh, stand alone, that one little tiny patch means nothing, but if you put a bunch of them together, and all look different, or all different colors, different fabrics, or whatever, you can actually insulate the human body and keep them warm from the elements, right? And this is how humanity is designed to work, right? We're, we're social beings, we're pack animals, uh, we're designed work together as one whole, which is why opposites attract in, in you know, romantic relationships, right? Because what I miss uh, out character trait-wise, uh, my girlfriend is able to fill that void, right? And so we make one complete entity, right? And together, you know, there's a call for sympathy or empathy or compassion. That's, that's in her lane. <laughs> If there's a call for analysis, quick thinking, and decisiveness, right? That's in my lane, right? And so we we complete each other, like Jerry, like like Tom Cruise says and Jerry Maguire, right? You complete me. So uh, we're like that as a society, and so we all need to give back. And, and, and this is again another example of of all the tools that they give us are all meant to divide us, right? I mean, the metaverse, the smartphone social media, right? It's like, uh, you know, Chris Plant says all the time, social media isn't, right? It's not social at all. It's a safe space where you can let your, uh, your, your, your bad side fly with no repercussions, complete anonymity, without having to actually answer uh, for the consequences of your words, right? It's meant to divide us 
isolated, right? Whereas if we were to just put it down and actually go out and maybe have a block party in our neighborhood, we might learn who our neighbors are. I mean, I remember as a kid knowing who all my neighbors were, right? Now nobody knows who their neighbors are, right? Yeah, social media was designed. Social media was designed to uh, sequester everybody from one another, especially uh, sequestering the dissenters into a corner where they can be silenced at the push of a button. Well, that's right. And then you, then, then you can have your own closely held beliefs and then read on a social media post that you're crazy, that you're outside the norm, that you're a conspiracy theorist. Whereas if you actually were to go outside, you'd probably find that your neighbors actually agree with you. And then you're like, wait a minute, there's 10 of us here and eight of us believe the same thing. Maybe they're the conspiracy theorists, right? But see, this is the design, right? It's like a, it's like um, Tokyo Road, right? The, the radio broadcast in the Pacific during World War II. Oh, your 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 girlfriend, your your wife, um, she's so angry at you, right? It's all meant to distort your perspective on humanity and and what's going on by isolating you, making you feel like you're, you're the one uh, with the problem. You're the one uh, that is outside of the norm. When in reality, they're the ones that are outside of the norm. I mean, if you just look at usage numbers alone, most Americans... You have one minute remaining. Most Americans aren't even on social media, right? So uh, it's just another control measure. Um, just remember, they attempt to deceive, distract, well, we as Americans want to be focused and unified together to defeat this overbearing narrative. Um, I know you are coming up to your sentencing and you want to file appeal. Uh, let everyone know where uh, they can go to help you in that fight. JeremyBrownDefense.com. Uh, you can find out a lot of more information, addresses, and other interviews and speeches that I've done as well. And Joe, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak here today. Well, the honor is, is mine, sir. You are a true warrior for our country, a warrior for truth. And uh, just so you know, you have an army of patriots standing beside you. All right, well, don't do nothing. Thank you for using Global Telling. This is serious, America. We are looking at a time when the heroes of our nation have been persecuted, labeled as enemies, those that have sacrificed all of their lives in the service of our nation's protection. Jeremy Brown is an American hero. He has spent 20 years of his life defending us looking out for our country's interests, sacrificing his own individuality for our society. To come home and once again stand up in defense of our freedom and the protections of our American values to now be labeled an enemy. They performed raids based on misdemeanors. They planted evidence against him, which could have destroyed the rest of his life, could have labeled him as a traitor. These are the links that they're willing to go to. They want 
to take over our nation at all costs. And men and women, patriots, that they deem a threat to their evil plan, they must get rid of. And that's us. That's Jeremy Brown. That's you. Anybody willing to stand up against tyranny, they deem a threat. Anybody willing to help our nation better itself and improve. Anybody willing to sacrifice a little bit of themselves for the betterment of others or a threat to their nefarious intentions. That is why it is so important that we do not give up, that we stand together, united, under one banner of freedom, to not accept the false narrative and the lies that are being pushed at us on a daily basis, to spread the truth, to bring awareness to those around you in your circles, to say, hey, there's something not right here. What we're being told is not true. Convince your neighbors and your friends that they are being lied to because truth is the first casualty of war. If we can keep truth alive, we still have a leg in this fight. We cannot accept defeat. We cannot accept their narrative blindly. We need to verify for ourselves. Question everything. Trust, but verify. There's a motto within the intelligence community in the Navy that says, in God we trust, all others we monitor. That holds true for America as a whole. We need to have trust in our God and have faith, but monitor what's going on around us. It is us, we the people. It is our duty to protect it. It is our duty to protect our promised land, our home, our family's future. We cannot let the enemy from within destroy us, just like we cannot let our spiritual enemies destroy us from within, individually or collectively. Ultimately, God wins in the end. How we fare this fight is dependent upon us until the day of victory comes. So stand up against the demons in your lives, whether they be spiritual principalities, the rulers of the darkness, or against nefarious actors and people in your immediate surroundings, in your environment, in your community. Stand up and speak truth. Truth is like a lion. You don't need to defend it. Just let it loose. It'll defend itself. God goes before us and fights. We don't necessarily need to quote-unquote fight. We just need to stand. Our fight is a fight for truth. Our fight is a fight for the hearts and minds of those that we are trying to protect by standing up against oppression. A majority of society has no idea how close we are to defeat. But it's patriots like you and Jeremy, myself, and many others that are out here getting our hands in the dirt. So do what you can. Help out where you can. We're in this together. We all lift each other up. We all hold each other up. Go to Jeremy Brown's Defense Fund at jeremybrowndefense.com. And also check out his podcast on Rumble. I'll put the link in the description box. Because he needs our help. He has spent his life serving us and fighting for us. It's about time that we can stand up and fight for him. Until next time, never forget, we are Americans. And it's going to stay that way. Oh, say can you